0: Hi there. My name is Sarah Wendy, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast. I'm an energy healer, mentor, and coach, helping people create more authenticity and intimacy in their lives so as to reach lasting well-being and build meaningful, aligned relationships. I will be connecting with people or similar interests in the show and hope you will find lots of value in it. Thanks for listening. In this episode, Michael Loria talks about his journey from the depths of despair to how he came to coaching men, about healing the father wound, about his work, forging Excalibur, and all the symbolism around that image taken from the legend of King Arthur. Finally, Michael shares some tips on how to get started on your own journey to reach your goals and step into your power. His tips are also valid for women, by the way. All right, so uh, welcome, Michael. Uh, Loria, thanks for being on the show today.
1: Thanks for the invitation, Zara. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, I've been following quite a few um <coughs> teachers about masculine and feminine dynamics lately, and I actually posted, uh, reposted or re shared one of your posts in my um, men's group, Holistic Health for Men, and it just generated a lot of, um, you know, discussion. So mm. so yeah, I really appreciate um, what you're doing. And uh, as I was saying earlier, during our, our short conversation, I was listening to your podcast and amazed by your journey. So um, maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about that before we get into your work. <laughs>
1: yeah, sure. No worries. So my my journey started like all men really, uh probably at the very begin the, the very beginning of my journey i would say would have been around about uh it's easy to say birth isn't it but i think when i was first when i was first aware of myself more, a little bit more aware of myself and 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 was exposed to a little bit of perhaps some people might want to call it trauma that's when i started to really question things which which was when i was around 7 or so and i remember oh, that's um that's early <laughs> It's early, but, and you know, and trauma is relative depending upon what you've experienced in life. Mm-hmm. So, so people may see this as trauma and other people might go, well, that's mild. Yeah. And, but for me, at seven years of age, it had a really big impact. And so what that was is I remember coming home from school one day and I had my report and I gave it to my mum. And my mum said, oh, Michael, that's not good. Wait till your dad gets home.
0: <gasps> oh, my and- God.
1: <clears throat> exactly right very. <laughs> and then dad got home and 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 I remember he was so he was absolutely so insistent from a very young age that I was good at maths okay. so he wanted me to be just good at maths and he would sit there we'd sit in the, in the in his office at home every night doing maths right and it got okay. to a point where I hated maths yeah and because it was just shoved down my throat you know, it was in my consciousness all the time, and so, of course, I just avoided anything to do with maths after a yeah, while. And that's so,
0: definitely, did... a <laughs> well... <laughs> definitely a trauma. Well, definitely a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> again,
1: again, relative, right? Relatively yeah, speaking, yeah. but then I got this report card, this report, and Dad came home and he looked at me and he said, "I'm very disappointed in you, Michael," and um, and he looked at me and he just looked at me with this with this look of. Contempt, disgust, disgrace, whatever oh you want to call God. it. And in that moment, I felt so small and I was only seven. Oh. And so from that point on, as I went through my, you know, primary school years and into teenage years, I felt this real deep sense of inadequacy that I just didn't measure up to my father's oh. expectations. And, and so you can, a boy or a person carries this through with them into all aspects of life. And so, you know, and and our our parents didn't know, and, you know, many parents just didn't know what they were doing. They thought my dad would have thought that he was, he was saying that he was disappointed because that would encourage me to be better and do better in maths, but it had the opposite effect, of course. And then, and then I went through my high school years, not doing too well academically um, because I'm the sort of person that I'll do really well in engaging something that I love and that I, that I'm passionate about, but if I'm not and it's forced down my throat and I'm forced to do it and I'm told that I have to learn it, I will resist with every fiber of my being. And so that's what I did in my teenage years. And so, of course, I never lived up to my father's lofty expectations of me academically.
0: Well, Um, I want to say, um, sorry to interrupt, uh, Michael, but also you were imprinted with this idea that you're not good at math, right? Like you would take that in as a child. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. And so, and even now, like I will do maths if I have to, but um, it's not something that I would ever choose to actually engage in.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And not, not that i you know, I think I've healed that trauma, but, yeah. but, but really, um, when you start to bring those things into your adult life and they consume you in some way and, and it wasn't about maths, it was about not measuring up and not yeah. being good enough and not being able to achieve anything much and then of course you go to a catholic boys school and and you're told you'll never amount to anything (laughs) you know and and that just adds to that as well so when i talk about trauma it's not so much that particular event that was perhaps traumatic it was the belief that i then developed at seven years of age that i wasn't good enough and i wasn't and I wasn't being approved of by my father, right. then translates into other areas of life as well. And I think a lot of boys actually experience this father wound that I call it,
0: yes.
1: where um, you know there's, there's been something in their relationship with their father where they haven't felt like they've they've matched their father's expectations of them.
0: So this is um is this a big part of your process healing the father wound?
1: Well especially for father, especially for people who have become fathers, because right. of course then they're going to imprint their sons and their daughters, and so this is a big part of the work that I do it's not directly we don't directly work on the father wound we we work on um, lots of other things, but we certainly do address the father wound because in all of my groups in all the groups that I run for men. There's always a piece around. I didn't ever feel like I was good enough for my father, yeah. or somehow the relationship with my father wasn't as good as connecting, as connective as what I would like it to be.
0: And even so, now, as an adult, yeah,
1: a lot of these men suffer with that, and of course they yeah. project all of that onto their children. Yeah. Children. Mm.
0: Um, well, I want to say the father piece is is fundamental. I would think for 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 a man because that's the primary role model right (laughs) like um
1: yeah it really is i
0: I actually one of the themes in my i have a men's circle a monthly men's (laughs) circle over zoom and our first topic was um rituals into manhood you know Mm. and or the lack thereof and how a lot of um you know uh, more ancient societies would have real rituals where you know the boy has to go whatever in the jungle and survive like survival skills yeah the exist. rites of passage yeah rites of yeah. passage and that now yeah. we don't really have that so much anymore right would you agree
1: oh definitely i would agree we live in a we live in a society where there's you know there's no such thing as rites of passage yeah. anymore yeah. your rites of passage is when you have sex with a girl exactly. for the first time
0: you Get know that's the to, yep yeah exactly that's
1: your rite of passage and and it's like that's not even and 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 if you're not prepared for that and if you haven't been educated around that and if you don't know what it is that you're getting into not just physically but emotionally and mentally as well it can really mess with a boy's mind and just his sense of self especially if something happened in that experience and the Uh and the girl um, made it clear that it wasn't it wasn't a good experience for her. Oh my
0: gosh. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: That's yeah. that's the kind of rite of passage yeah. that boys and young men face this, these days. Yeah. It's not a it's not a test of his mettle or his strength or his ability to be a man. It's really his around his sexual prowess. And that's yeah. not a good place to yeah. build an adult identity around.
0: Especially now that addiction to porn is so rampant and
1: yeah I want definitely. to say
0: yeah it's like so screwed um okay I would love to hear about you know forging Excalibur um I've I recently or last year I read you know the myths of Avalon and actually our Arthur, King Arthur's been coming up um that's from the same uh tradition right mm,
1: it is yes <laughs> correct Avalon.
0: me if I'm wrong yeah so no, that's been yeah. coming up for me that actually came up last week when I was doing um, a meditation on Christ consciousness and um, King Arthur came up for me. So can you tell me about that? Where, where did you pick that name? You know, obviously it's not a coincidence It must have some meaning to you.
1: Oh, it definitely does. So I've been working with men now for close to 15 years Hmm. um, in different capacities. I started, and there's, I want to just give you this background so that it contextualizes why I chose this title for the book and my programs. Yeah. So I've been working f- with men for close to 15 years. And I started out just after I got divorced. And you would have heard about this on my first yeah. um, podcast episode mm-hmm. that you said you listened to. So yeah. I, a very, 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 very shortened version of this is that I was married for 12 years. I got married unconsciously, stayed married unconsciously. We had yeah. a couple of kids and then we ended up divorcing 12 years later. Mm-hmm. And I fell into, and, and then We co-created an experience together, my ex-wife and I, where I Mm -hmm. didn't see my children for about 18 months. And so from a mental and emotional and a financial perspective as well, I spiraled down Mm -hmm. um, at a rapid rate, culminating into the point where one Sunday morning, I almost took my own life. And so I came out of that experience. And if anybody's curious and interested in hearing about the intricacies around that, um, the first episode of my podcast, which is called the Forging Excalibur podcast, is I tell that story yeah. in in length and in detail um, and how I got there and how I sort of came out of it again. Mm. But to, to collapse time a little bit here for us, what that really meant was that that point was a catalytic event for me to go, this is not the person who I want to be. It's not the man that I envisioned that I would become. And it's definitely not the man who I want my children to experience when I get to see them again. And so I went on this journey of self-discovery and part of that journey of self-discovery was my desire then to help other men who had been in the same position as me or similar. So I went off and I, and I studied counseling um, and I got some certifications around counseling and relationship therapy and neuroscience and all sorts of uh, psychotherapy and all sorts of things. Hmm. And then I started facilitating my own men's groups. And so, and that's just continued. So, you know that was men's circles back then yeah and i've it's really just evolved into something something very very different now but the point is is that what i have discovered over the i guess really in real terms the last 12 years or so since i started doing it properly is that men find it very very difficult and this is not news to anyone but men find it very very difficult most of the time to to put up their hand and say hey I'm struggling over here and yeah. I need some help. Right.
0: Yes, I noticed and, that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of stuff around that. So there's societal conditioning. There are there's stigmas around masculinity and what it means to be a man and what it means for a man to put up his hand and say, Hey, I'm not I'm struggling. I need help. Like most people, traditionally speaking, in society, would label that as weakness even yeah. though it's not, it's actually a sign of strength. Yeah. Most people would label that and our boy as weakness, as, as a weakness and our boys are brought up to believe that, right? Yeah. You, you don't cry. You don't share your emotions. You, you have to be strong. You've just got to get through it. You're the man, right? And yeah. so, and so we're not conditioned or indoctrinated into a society that supports men being open about the fact that maybe they're not doing so well and they need some help. So, I learned all of this over the years and I thought I need to create a bridge. I want to create a bridge between, between that, right, that belief and empowerment and this feeling of empowerment that all men really want to feel. And I thought, how do I do that? And I thought, I, people love, people love symbology and they also love mythology. And we, and if we look at, the the movies that people connect with you know lord of the rings and harry potter and star wars and all this stuff there's so much beautiful symbology in that around Mm -hmm. joseph campbell's hero's journey yeah and so and then i thought that's cool but i can't just go in with the hero's journey because that's a little bit cliche so (laughs) what can i what can i do around this and i thought what's a real masculine symbol that men will really connect with somebody something that symbolizes power strength responsibility and it's and it's immediately recognizable right it had to be (laughs) immediately recognizable so and then I started and I've always loved knights and King Arthur and the knights of the round table and I've always loved the Arthurian myth around you know how Arthur came by Excalibur and Merlin and the and the and the 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 elves of Avalon forging Excalibur right and then and then you know presented to King Arthur by the Lady of the Lake like there's all this and if you you look into the beautiful tapestry of that mythology there's some really beautiful connections to the masculine and the feminine in the in the in the personification of the Lady of the lake and and even when you weave in the hero's journey right the hero starts off as an ordinary person. Um, and his world crumbles around him. This is what happened to King Arthur right? His world crumbled around him, and he went on he started on his hero's journey. He had his call to adventure and the call to adventure was he realized he or he became aware from by Merlin of his royal um his royal blood okay. and so and so that was his call to adventure and Then they go on this adventure together, and he faces his first threshold guardian, which is can he draw the sword from the stone? And of course he did. Okay. And then that's the sword. If we look really deep into the mythology, that's the sword that gets broken in battle. And it wasn't Excalibur. It was a different sword. Oh. And, so then, and so then what happened was Merlin, so then he, he, he was defeated by his threshold guardian. Right, which is part of the hero's journey, which was he went into battle and he got defeated into battle. And so then what happens is the hero says, well, I can't do this on my own. I need a mentor. I need a guide. And, of course, then he turns to Merlin. And Merlin becomes his guide and his mentor. And Merlin says, well, I'm going to get you a sword, right? Yeah. So Merlin went to the elves of Avalon, the mystical island of Avalon, and then Excalibur was forged in the fires in the depths of Avalon, very similar To the one ring in lord of the rings that was forged in the in the depths of mount doom right Right. and so it's a very it's when you look at all the symbology and how it works into modern cinema cinema it's all very similar it's all very similar but everyone recognizes excalibur and as soon as you see excalibur you, you it immediately knights king arthur merlin the round table it all just floods our consciousness right so and and it's a real symbol of strength responsibility and power and i thought that's the bridge that's the bridge between men Beautiful. going i don't know what to do and oh my god that is so cool what's that <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right yeah. and so yeah and so when they see the sword and the fire and forging excalibur um, it's a it's a bridge it's a yeah. it's a connection point to them and of course then when they come into my inner circle They get all the good stuff, the shadow work, core values, purpose, um, self-image work. Um, You know, we go on our hero's journey. We talk about threshold guardians. We delve deep into the shadow and we do all that real cool, um, deep work around all the stuff that we avoid and procrastinate on and suppress and repress and start to become the version of ourselves um, that we truly know that we can be, but we've never really been able to connect with our limitless potential.
0: Wow. Yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds inspiring. <laughs> um, Michael, I want to ask you, what do you think is the, what are the main challenges that come in a, in the way of men today stepping into their power and reaching out for, for their, their sword? What, what are those things that are coming? So there's, in the way?
1: there's probably, there's probably so many things I could speak right. into, but, One of the main things that I talk about in my book, Forging Excalibur, is this this almost, well, it is, it's societal conditioning that says that in order for you to be relevant as a man, you must achieve this level of success. And success in in its modern form is always associated with um, the acquisition of material possessions, the the accumulation of financial wealth and societal status, right? Okay. And that is all this stuff around, what sort of car do you drive? What sort of house mm-hmm. do you live in? Where do you live? What's your job title? Um, you know,
0: so the external,
1: external, all the external stuff. Right? Okay. Yep, All the external symbols of our modern version of success. What society tells us we need to do and have to be successful. Okay. And so what I find is that men actually tend to lose themselves um. on this journey towards success because it's what it starts out as, is they they want a career. They want something that is meaningful, that will earn them a good income so they can support a family and feel like they're doing something um, meaningful. And it always starts out like that. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is along the way, there are shiny objects and it's like, it's almost like it's a game. Right, like a video game, where you get to a certain level and you unlock a power, or you unlock something that is then um, that you can use then on the next part of the journey. Okay. And so, this is what life becomes for this man. It starts out in an honourable way. I'm going to support my family. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to build a finance a secure, strong financial future. I'm going to be a good father and a good partner. And then. What happens along the way is there's a promotion and then the promotion turns into longer working hours and the promise of another promotion and more money. And it's like, now I can provide my for my family at a higher level and buy more things and have more stuff and then they'll be happier. And then men get lost in this journey. They get lost on the climb up Mount Success, which is what I talk about in the book, because we can get up to about halfway up Mount success when we're climbing up towards this ultimate summit at the top of this mountain, which is really our, an undefined version of success, but we all try to reach there. We try to get to that point where then if we, if I, and it's like, if I get there, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel successful. Then I'll have enough money. Then I'll be a good man, a good partner, a good father, a good, whatever. And so Men go on this journey towards this undefined version of success and they just lose themselves along the way and they, and they lose sight of what they truly value, which is their family and their relationships and a sense of meaning and purpose in their lives as well. The thing that really gets them up in the morning and moves them forward and keeps them motivated towards for in, in life is not their job anymore. It's something else, but they don't know what it is, but they think it's this version of success. And so usually what happens is they get about halfway up this mountain and then the climb becomes a little bit more treacherous, more is required of them. And it requires both hands. You see up until this point, they've been able to use one hand and hold their family, which is what they truly value in the other hand. But now the climb requires more of them. It requires both hands and they've got to make a choice. And usually what men do is they make the choice to use both hands to climb the mountain and they leave their family halfway up the mountain and they let go. So then the second half of the mountain becomes a continual journey towards this shiny object at the top whilst they gradually disconnect from what they truly value. And even if they do get to the top of the mountain and they hold this undefined version of success in their hands, they have no one to share it with because by then... Um, their partner may have, you know, their relationship is disconnected with their intimate partner. Their kids don't want to have anything to do with them because they've been so busy working and earning money and chasing success that they've that they've ruined their relationships. And so, I think I've forgotten the the question.
0: <laughs> but so but I, know I, was, okay. <laughs> I know I was
1: mo- I know I was moving towards answering it. Remind me of the question again.
0: Julie, well, um, I'm just wondering, how do you, so what is, how do you define success? Well, my question was actually, what's coming in the way of men stepping into their own power? Because I see yeah, right. so it's a lot that. of men around me that are, it seems like they're reluctant to to connect to true power, which is <clears throat> for me internal, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely it is. And that's so I was, I was on the, on the journey towards answering your question. <laughs> Sometimes I just go on a little bit. No, no, it's
0: fascinating. Go ahead. (laughs) But
1: but so then they get there, right? And they realize that this is not what they were really looking for. And then they have a bit of a breakdown because they usually then lose everything that they've truly valued. And that's where these men start to go on this journey of inner discovery, inner self-discovery, right? And they begin to connect with themselves and they go, this didn't give me meaning. I thought it would. It doesn't give me purpose. It didn't give me meaning. Is this and
0: the the midlife crisis, the proverbial midlife crisis? Would you say it could? Or it could, could be
1: that. Yeah, okay. that's that 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 could happen. And um, a relationship breakdown will also trigger that as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and heart child, attack
0: stuff like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever catalytic whatever event crisis. happens in their, Yeah. Yeah. Whatever catalytic event happens in their lives. Yeah. Um, but what I am finding these days is that more men are coming to these awarenesses quicker,
0: yes.
1: and, so, yes. and so, which is which is really encouraging. So they're getting yes. to that middle, they're getting to that middle point on the climb up Mount Success, yes. and they're making a different choice, right, right, which is right. before which it's is too really, late. <laughs> before it's too late, and they're the, they're the men that usually come to me. Yeah. So I'm usually I find the men that are in my circles are who I was about five years ago. Yeah. And that was this guy that was at the precipice, right? The right. halfway up. And it's oh like, my gosh. it's like, I can see it. It yeah. feels like it's within my grasp. However, I don't want to let go of this thing that I truly value the most, which is my connection to the people that I love the most, yeah. right? Because I can feel it starting to slip. I can feel it starting to fade away. My partner is saying to me, you're spending an awful lot more time at work now. Yeah. Um, I want you to know, you know, you're disengaging, the kids are asking where you are. And it's at that point where a lot of men are now starting to pay more attention, whereas they didn't used to. Right, right. Yep,
0: I agree with that. I've seen so many more um, men doing this work. And um, it's very, very exciting, very inspiring.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And it's at that point when we start to talk about things like stepping into your greatness you know and understanding that you have limitless potential that that undefined version of success that you've been reaching for is actually just superficial and materialistic and it's just surface stuff and it has no real meaning and it's not going to give you purpose and so then we start to go well what do you truly value and it's not love and it's not integrity they're important things but what are you what are these anchoring core values that will always bring you back to something solid that you can connect with no matter what's happening in life no matter what adversity you're facing no matter what struggle is in front of you no matter what obstacle is there you've got these anchoring core values and this well-defined purpose that you can always connect with powerfully and go well yes i'm on track or no i'm not on track and if i'm not on track there's my path, and I'm very very clear and i'm back i'm I'm back on my path again right hmm. and that's powerful work in that, and of course you know part of that work is the shadow work, yeah. which is really important because you can't you can't do this level of work unless you do the shadow work. Yeah. you can't deeply connect with yourself unless you are prepared to look at all the things that you have studiously avoided and procrastinated on and all that sort of stuff for so many years
0: so michael you do both one-on-one and group work right i do
1: yes okay more, so more group work now more yep. of the
0: group work. so do you find that shadow work is effective in both instances or what, what's your experience around
1: that? yeah absolutely yeah. It, it absolutely is i, th- I actually think i have found it more powerful in group work okay so I've actually found that doing shadow work in groups with other men has been really, really more powerful because here's what happens, you see, and what we all under I hope most people who listen to this can if they don't agree with me, at least acknowledge the possibility that everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that in the context of what we're talking about is this when you find yourself in part of a group with other people on some level, you've attracted the people in that group Um, to be part of that group on some level, you've attracted that. And you need that in order. Yeah. And you need these people around you in order Mm -hmm. to move to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so you can, I can quite easily see in a group of 10 men that might be in a program, I can easily see that each of them are are a reflection of each other right absolutely yeah and so my
0: experience
1: (laughs) yeah and so each of them doing their shadow work will learn from each other right um whilst they share in this group together and what's and what's ironic it is a it's actually a beautiful thing to see and that is when i observe the man in these groups i see 10 different versions of myself at different stages of my development and my journey and my evolution too yeah Absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way. It, the people always come together for a, re- a reason, particularly. It's never random. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I,
1: I also, I also do subscribe to and ascribe to the to, to the notion and idea because I've done it myself and it does work. That your own shadow work in isolation is so very powerful. Yes. Because yes. Because, so I'm not. I'm not taking away from that because I've done that too. Yes. Um, but, I think but both, yours, are <laughs> both are necessary. Both are necessary, but I but I think that there's a certain level of awareness and education um, that you do need around mm. shadow work in order mm-hmm. to do it effectively yourself. Otherwise, I've seen people who don't have that foundation right. jump into shadow work and get lost in a vortex of their psyche. Oh, right?
0: actually, what I meant to say was that. Um, the one-on-one coaching and the group the group is they're both necessary i didn't mean to oh, say totally like, yes. yeah, not i didn't mean to say like alone you know unpacking all your <laughs> like, that's very dangerous yeah
1: it definitely can be without guidance exactly. if you don't know what you're doing yeah. it, can um, be it definitely can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah definitely and that's I mean, not that's not yeah. a mountain that you want to climb on your own if you don't mm. know how to navigate it
0: yeah, the, I mean the whole that that image of the precipice has also been coming up a lot for me lately. And I mean, if you're if you're like you said, without any training or tools, you know, the precipice is just an empty hole, and it's like mm. super um, scary and dangerous. Yeah. Um, I have another question. Uh, uh, what so? What would you say that Excalibur represent? What is this a symbol of?
1: It's a symbol of um, so. It's a symbol of really when you come when it comes down to it, at its very core, it is a symbol of responsibility, because anybody can carry any well only well you know the legend the the legend says that only the most noble of heart can draw Excalibur and can wield Excalibur right, and so when we but when we think about this just from a um, a real place of symbology. It's the responsibility of having the sword, of, of wielding the sword yeah. and knowing when to use it and when to sheathe it.
0: Okay. Yeah, that right. makes so, sense.
1: Yeah. Mm. And that's a real, you know, that quote that you, sh- and that speaks into that quote of mine that you shared. Um, yeah. Jordan Peterson's quote, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. that you shared yeah. on my post, which is, um, you know, a dangerous man, um, a good man is a dangerous man. has it under control right Right, right. that's that's really that's really the shortened version of the quote and so this is the same as the man who wields Excalibur right um he he needs he's got so much power to harm yet he chooses not to Right. right and it's a real it's a real exercise in discernment um, and self-control yeah. and integration of the shadow to know when to wield Excalibur and how to and how forcefully to wield Excalibur and when to keep Excalibur, Excalibur sheathed. Okay. And so this is, this is why the men in my programs. so I've got a really cool part of my programs. So the guys go through the first program, which is eight weeks, and it's called Forging Excalibur Call to Adventure. And then the second program is by invitation only for people who have completed the call to adventure. And that's called Forging Excalibur, the Hero's Journey. That's a 12 week program. And then at the end of the 12 week program, there's an invitation there for men to come along with me to go to a wilderness retreat for seven days where each man actually forges his own sword, his own ceremonial sword, his own Excalibur, right? Because it's not until that point. That you should have the responsibility um that you should be given the responsibility of of having the option of wielding Excalibur until you've done oh that's
0: amazing so so it's not only a symbol are you you're also are you a swordsman like no
1: (laughs) no I'm no no, no swordsman
0: I'm no swordsman
1: no I'm not I'm not as much as I'd like to say yes to that question that would be
0: so cool (laughs) like <laughs> know to, you know like... i'm
1: not a swordsman. No.
0: <laughs> okay so they but they do you forge a real sword
1: absolutely absolutely oh, definitely. It. so it's yeah, de- yeah, it's yeah.
0: symbolic it's decorative
1: it's a decorative okay. sim- uh, symbolic okay. sword and and it's designed to be up in you know and they get a decorative case and this sits up on okay, the okay. wall and it's a oh and goodness. it's a reminder of their <laughs> journey so cool you know.
0: to learn how to use that
1: <laughs> <laughs> i certainly don't recommend uh, you know, pulling it out of its case and okay. and uh, and using it in any way, shape or form. <laughs>
0: interesting, interesting. Wow, <laughs> oh, it's fascinating. So um, I'm, I'm still thinking back about how there are many men who are not willing to, are not interested in drawing that sword. They're not even interested. And so <clears throat> it makes sense when you said that the sword represents, I think you said responsibility, right? Mm-hmm because uh that would mean that they're still they would rather not take responsibility
1: (laughs) well you know you know what we talked about societal conditioning and indoctrination and one of the earlier and one of the big things around that is that we're not actually encouraged to take responsibility in our society we're actually encouraged to do the opposite which is to lay blame and find fault Mm. and so and so um Because as soon as you, because we have this ridiculous idea out there that is if you accept responsibility that it must be your fault and you've done something wrong Mm. and you're a bad person. When in fact, that's not the case at all, right? Um, It's about taking ownership for who you've chosen to be in that moment when you made that choice and created that outcome. And that's responsibility. It's like I'm responsible for, you know, I'm responsible for that thing that happened, yet I'm also responsible for choosing to create a different outcome next time and to take responsibility, hold myself accountable and take responsibility for my actions, my thoughts, all the results that I create or co-create in life. And when you step into that place, that's where the true power is because that's when you can empower yourself to change your results in life. And so when I say that Excalibur is a Um, symbol of responsibility it is about taking responsibility for yourself right and how you show up in every relationship that you have in life in every role that you hold in life in who you are being Um, the thought even to the point the thoughts that you choose to think the feelings associated with them the behaviors the actions the results the outcomes when we take full 100% ultimate responsibility for all of that then we can empower ourselves to change our results um, and live a much better life, a more consciously created life.
0: Absolutely, but w- what I'm seeing is that when the when a person is stuck in this loop or this pattern of fear, it's hard to once you engage into the taking responsibility, you know, reaching towards the sword and, and all that. You're halfway there, right? But yeah, like totally. getting out of that loop of 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 feeling powerless, like how, it's almost like, where do you start? It's like chicken or the egg sort of thing. Do you see what I mean?
1: Yes, I certainly do. I certainly do. But if we can, if we can start to understand and acknowledge, and this is where I, I answer this question a lot. Um, If we can acknowledge that everything in life is an, until we are consciously aware of ourselves, everything in life is an unconscious creation or an unconscious co-creation with somebody else or a group of other people. And so if we can unconsciously create then who's to say we can't consciously recreate, right? So this is where I say well yes it's difficult to take responsibility. Yes it's it's difficult. Nobody says I've never ever said on any interview or any with any client I don't know why you're not taking responsibility. It's easy because it's not, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Right? And when we talk about the chicken and the egg, I, I truly believe that this is not necessarily a chicken and the egg thing. It's like, this is the Genesis. This is the beginning of creating consciously because what you were doing before was creating unconsciously. Right. And so this is a new thing altogether. This is not part part and parcel of the same thing this is a new thing you got to step into the energy of accepting responsibility that up until this point i have unconsciously created or co-created my life Mm -hmm. and so if i did that unconsciously and now i'm consciously aware of that fact then i can Mm -hmm. consciously recreate my life does that make sense
0: I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I just feel like sometimes when I see people caught in this, the loop of disempowerment and fear, you know, where do you, where's the access point where they, they realize, wow, I'm actually creating this, this hell, you know?
1: So there's a psychology behind this and I've, and I'm, and I've, you know, I'm well-versed in psychology over the years, as you can imagine. So there's some psychology around this as well. And we need to see evidence that, that this cognitive dissonance that we, that we experience, so if, for anybody listening, if they don't know what cognitive dissonance is, what that basically is, is it's two conflicting ideas mm-hmm. in your mind about the same thing. Yeah. Um, and there's basically just two beliefs that are in conflict with each other. That's cognitive dissonance. Mm. And generally what happens is that we always default back to the paradigm, the subconscious paradigm, which is the belief that's being challenged by the new belief. And so, and so when we start to understand that we need to be in this place of cognitive dissonance first, which is where most people are when they feel conflicted within mm. about the way forward, we just need to take one step, do yeah. one thing, right? Just one small thing towards that new concept, that new idea, that new way of right. being, so that we can get some evidence. And we call that cells of recognition. So we can right. build some mm-hmm. cells of recognition in our consciousness yeah. for the experience yeah. that that new belief has some kind of relevance, right? Some validity, we, yeah. some validity, some, yeah. validity, some relevance, yeah. some something, So when we have those cells of recognition for the experience that, hmm, maybe there's something to this, then we're more likely to take the second step and the third step and the fourth step. And with each step, we become more and more confident in this new belief to create this new reality. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. So, so, um, sorry, go ahead.
1: And this is why Jordan Peterson says the first step to putting your life together is to make your bed clean your room.
0: Right. 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 Exactly. Clean
1: your room because it's such a simple thing that everybody yeah, can do Yeah, with.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So, you, um, hmm. I was going to ask you, Michael, um, so that's, that's Jordan Peterson's advice. What about, uh, what, what tip would Michael Loria have for the men who haven't started that who didn't even know that they had access to, you know, their own Excalibur? Like, can you give them one tip?
1: Yeah, totally. So very, very simple, right? Very simple. And that is whatever you can imagine in the mind, you can create in reality. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And you have limitless potential to connect with that greatness within you that you know is there, but you just don't know how to connect to. You just don't know how to bring um, it into reality.
0: I want to say that's not that's like not that easy for a lot of people <laughs> to even allow it's- themselves to to
1: dream big and you know yeah it's not it's not easy but i mean the reality is that if there are some people out there that can create greatness in the world they're they're no different from any of us yeah they're no different the only i'm i'm such a firm believer i'm such a firm advocate in the power of self-belief and so and and another thing i think as well is that You know, our past creation, whatever we've created in the past unconsciously does not have to be an indication of what we have the potential to create in the future. Because as I've said before, if you can create something unconsciously, you can create something consciously. And when you create consciously, it is more in alignment and in resonance with who you truly are and what you truly want and the version of yourself that you know you can become if you could just get over your own stuff and this is where, and this is where a lot of us stumble, I think. And that is that we don't believe that we can get over our own stuff. We don't mm-hmm. believe that the story we've created around the trauma that we feel that we had in life can be overcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, concretely, uh, are you, are you talking about visualization technique or like a, a journaling practice or
1: or not even? No, from a from from a concrete point of view, oh, I would I yeah. would say I would say the very first step is to do the next thing that feels right but uncomfortable.
0: Mm, nice, nice, nice. Stepping out right? of your comfort zone,
1: yeah. Yeah, but but it's a it it's definitely stepping out of your comfort zone. But like we, we all know, you know, Zara. Everybody listening to this, you know that next thing that you need to do huh. that you're absolutely terrified of doing, Yeah. right. But you know, that it's going to be good for you, no. right. That's the thing that you need to do. And when yeah. you take that, when <laughs> you take that, when you take that first step, yeah. the next step on the path reveals itself to you. And then you take the right. next step and then the next part, the next step on the path reveals itself again. It's this, it's this. It's it's really this leap of faith that you've got to take, and the leap of faith is the faith in yourself yep. that that you can create something different. You yep. just can because other people have, so you can too.
0: Yes, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Totally. <laughs> One step at a time, <laughs> and the path uh, is revealed when we're ready as we go yep. forth. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, and that's been... That's been my experience, you know, Zara. I've, you, you can, you can envision up to a certain point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but our consciousness doesn't allow us to go any further right, until right. we take steps along that path. And then, yeah. and then it starts to become the, the more and more of the future becomes clearer and clearer as we take more and more steps, but you've exactly. got to take that first
0: step. I agree with you. Hmm. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, I feel like uh, we covered a lot and um can you maybe just invite the audience to follow you? I think you're mostly on Instagram and Facebook and you have your own groups.
1: And- yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Zara. So I have, um, I'm on Facebook and I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on LinkedIn. And so right. I invite you to connect with me um, just under my name, Michael Lauria, um, L-A-U-R-I-A. I also have a website, uh, forgingexcalibur.com.au. And there you can, you're invited to download the first three chapters of my book. for free um and then of course you'd be given an option to purchase the book if you want to um and i also have a group called um forging Excalibur, the round table for men so that's a free facebook group as well
0: wonderful all right well thank you so much michael
1: (laughs) thank you zara Uh, i appreciate it
0: it. really great connecting and i will see you on uh online probably awesome (laughs) all right have a great day You too. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to contact me through my website, www.zarahwendy.com, for questions or comments or even inquiries about my one-on-one coaching services and mentorship. I will personally reply to you. See you next week.